First, congratulations on the consecration of the altar and the icons. It's a joyous day for the church. Um, and, and consecrating the altar and icon in a church and consecrating the church generally brings to mind what we do in a church, which is prayer. We come into the house of prayer to pray. And so the gospel today, today is the first Sunday of the blessed month of Una, And in it, we read about the apostles going to our Lord Jesus Christ and asking him to teach them how to pray. And sometimes we are in our lives find excuses as to why we don't pray. We think to ourselves, I don't know how to pray. We think to ourselves, you know, I, I repeat the same thing. I don't know what it is I'm supposed to say. And so the disciples went to the Lord today, and it's the first lesson we need to learn from the, uh, the disciples. They went to the Lord and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And this in and of itself is a prayer. For any communication with the Lord is prayer. And so they went and spoke to him and opened up their hearts and said, we want to learn how to pray. And in doing so, they began. And that's where we start. The way we start prayer is by praying. One person once said, if you think you will pray when you learn to pray, then you will never pray. And so unless we begin, begin just like the apostles here, they went and said, Lord, teach us to pray. We need to begin and learn to pray by prayer. It is what teaches us prayer. And so in order for, for us to pray, we need to learn by experience. We hear many sermons about prayer. We're hearing another one now. And, uh, you know, we, we read a lot about prayer. All our lives we've heard so much. But unless we put it into action, unless we stand and pray, unless we begin, then we will never learn by experience the personal relationship that we need to have with the Lord Jesus Christ and with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit in our prayers. And so we build that experience and then we will be like, for example, Jacob in the Old Testament. Jacob, when you know he prayed, he struggled with God. And so we will struggle, yes, in prayer, but we will struggle and gain something out of it. We will gain blessing. And I want to focus on the, the Lord's answer. He, he, he gives them the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. And I just want to focus on the first two words, Our Father. When we come into the house of God and we call upon Him and we say Our Father, we can learn many things, but I'll focus on three. Number one, Our Father implies that He is a caring Father. When I call someone a father, it means this person, any father cares for their children. And so he is my father, and so I trust him, and I know he cares for me. And so he provides me with all good things. He's responsible for me. He can take care of me. Problem is, many times we say, I want to take care of myself. I think what's best for me. And so I'll take things into my own hands. Or if I will trust him, I say to him, Lord, reveal your plans to me. And if I approve, then I'll say, okay, go ahead. I need to give you the stamp of approval. But really, the Lord, when we say our Father, it means I trust you. You are my Father, and whatever you say, I will follow, because you do care for me. And so we need to discern this in our lives, because sometimes we take control, and we, we think that we, we know better than God. God is wise, and God uh, is caring. And so, like the, the, the Lord says towards the end of the Gospel, you know, no one's going to ask for bread from a father and receive a stone. 
And so we're never going to ask for something good for our heaven, from our Heavenly Father and receive something bad. If we ask for something good, He will give us what is good. But He is also wise to know that sometimes what we think is good and we are asking for is really a stone. And so He holds it back from us out of His care for us. In the story of St. Augustine, St. Monica, his mother, when she prayed for his salvation, she constantly prayed for his salvation. And then when St. Augustine wanted to go to Milan to study there, he wanted to go study law there, his mom prayed to God that he not go to Italy, that he not go to Milan, because she worried if she's doing all the the evil stuff that he was doing while he's around her, what's he going to do when he's all alone? And God didn't answer that prayer. And he went to Milan. And there in Milan, he went to St. Ambrose. And then we know about his conversion. He became a great saint. St. Augustine, in his confessions, he says about this. He says, but you, speaking about God, taking your own secret counsel and noting the real point of her desire, the desire of his mom, did not grant to her what she had then been asking, in order to grant to her the thing that she had always been asking. So she was then asking for something, that is for him not to go to Milan, and he didn't grant her that because this was a stone. But the real bread, the real good that she was asking for, that of his salvation, that for him to be converted, he granted her that. And so we need to remember God, when we say our Father is caring, he takes care of us and we need to trust him. Number two, when we say our father, we need to realize that any father, no matter what his his child does, he forgives. And so what about our heavenly father? When we say our father, we need to remember that image of the prodigal son. He left his father and, and, and lived prodigally. And then when he came to himself, he comes to his father. And his father is waiting for him and runs to him and embraces him. And this is the way our heavenly father is with us. The moment we repent, the moment we turn to him, his embrace is there. He's willing to embrace us. He's willing to pat us on the back and say, welcome home. And so when we enter the house of God, we need to remember it's a house of repentance. We enter here to repent. When we say our Father, we need to remember that the burden of sin, the burden of guilt that we sometimes experience, As soon as we say our Father, we need to remember, if I repent, if I say sorry, then he will forgive me. St. John Chrysostom says, have you sinned? Come to church. Tell God I have sinned. I do not demand anything else of you than this. And then later he says, admit the sin and annul it. Admit the sin and annul it. He says, it's that simple. You've sinned? Okay, come to church and say I've sinned. And the sin is annulled. And so when I say our Father, I need to remember He is a Father that forgives unconditionally. And always recall that image of the prodigal son running back to his father, really walking back to his father. And he felt unworthy of being a child of his father. And he had a plan of saying, make me like one of your hired servants. But the father doesn't allow him to say this. He forgives. Number three, when we say our Father, we need to realize we say our Father, not my Father. And so he's the Father of us all. He's the Father of everybody in this church. And so whoever it is 
I'm praying with this prayer. When we stand several times in the liturgy and we say, Our Father, I need to realize there is fellowship. Everybody here is my brother and my sister. When we say our father, if someone is a father to someone, then the, the person is automatically my sibling. And so he's my father and your father. And so we are siblings. We are brothers and sisters. And that implies that just like any father, any one of you who is a parent wishes to see love amongst your children. And you rejoice when you see your, your kids doing things to help each other, to, to assist each other, to show love to one another. And so our Heavenly Father rejoices when we show love to one another, when we help one another. We come to the house of God in fellowship and we pray for one another. The litanies that we pray, the litany of the travelers and of the sick and of the catechumens and of those who are persecuted. And so we pray for everybody. But we also need to act in love with one another. I think I shared this story before. There's many forms of it. It's a legend, really. Metropolitan Anthony Bloom shares this story. Metropolitan Anthony Bloom was a, a Russian Orthodox Metropolitan. Uh, he passed away in 2003. And he shares this, this story about this monastery with few monks left. There were, I think, five monks left, the abbot and four other monks. And they were all old in, in age. And there was no new blood, no newcomers to the monastery, no visitors. It was a monastery out in the woods. And so they would notice people would go camping out in the woods, but no one would visit their monastery. And they began to worry that it would be the end of their monastery once they passed. So some days passed and, and they were praying about it. And a hermit went to his hut. There was a hermit that would you know, come to a hut in the woods every once in a while. And so they noticed that this hermit had gone to his hut. And so they told the abbot, why don't you go speak to the hermit? Get some instructions on how we may be able to save our monastery. So the abbot agreed, and he went and visited the hermit. And they sat together and spent time in reading scripture together. And he told the hermit, I need counsel, I need advice. Our monastery is dying. What can we do to revive it? What can we do to save it? And the hermit said, I have nothing. I have no solution to give to you. And so they spent again some more time in the night reading scripture. And they rejoiced together. And before leaving, the abbot said to him, look, I came all the way here to speak to you about one problem. Can you give me one answer, one solution for the, the issue that we're having at our monastery? And so the hermit said to him, I have no solution. But one thing I will tell you is that the Messiah is one of you. So the abbot heard this, and he walked back thinking to himself, the Messiah is one of us, what does that mean? And then he got to the monastery. Before he even got there, the, the other monks, the other four monks were anxious to get an answer. So they ran to him when they saw him, and they asked him, what did he say? What was the solution? He said, he didn't give me anything. He gave me a cryptic message. He said, the Messiah is one of us. And so they all started wondering, what does this mean? And so they all went to their cells, and they all began asking themselves, what, what does it mean the Messiah is one of us? Could the abbot be the messenger of God to us? The, the abbot is harsh with us. He's difficult. But his strictness keeps us on the straight and narrow path. Perhaps truly he is the messenger of God to us. And then maybe it's brother so-and-so, brother Thomas. But brother Thomas 
jokes a lot, he laughs a lot. But Brother Thomas brings the joy of the Lord into our hearts. So perhaps Brother Thomas is the messenger of God for us. And then they went through each of the other four monks that were around them and thought of their characteristics and how that could be the message of God for them. And without knowing, without realizing it, they began inquiring of each other what they read in scripture. They began showing love to one another without realizing it so that their condition in the monastery changed. They began noticing visitors that would come and visit and spend time with them. And then young people wanted to join the monastery. Why all this? Because there was love in their midst. And where love dwells, God dwells. And so we too can learn when we say our Father, that each person around me who calls upon God the Father and says our Father is my brother and sister. And when I show them love, I will see that my community begins to thrive. I will see that my prayers are answered speedily. I will feel like you know, King Solomon when he prayed at the dedication, his prayer of dedication. At the end of his prayer, the Lord answered him. The Lord answered him in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and he said to him, I have heard your prayer. We will feel every time we pray our Father and we have love for one another, when we trust him, when we realize that all I need to do is say I have sinned and he forgives me and I trust that forgiveness, I will walk out of my prayer having experienced what King Solomon experienced, hearing God say to me, I have heard your prayer. May we always hear him say to us, your prayer is heard. And may we always show love to one another that our community, both within our household and the church and outside of the church, may always grow and be thriving. To our God be the glory now and ever and to the end of ages. Amen.